1: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue the first message of this brand new series, Joshua, When God Calls You, as change happens. And in Joshua's case, Moses has just died. Joshua is a case study on how God helps us live confidently through challenging times and should be an encouragement for you. Like Joshua, are we ready to accept God's direction so that we can sense the joy of His victory? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then you may do so right there at reallife.org. Joshua chapter 1 is a text Pastor Sean Nazaro is teaching from. It's part 2 of the message, Moses is Dead. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Be careful. Don't focus on trying to copy someone else. We get so hooked. We want to study the successes of others. We get so hooked on reading books about the successes of others that we think the new thing God wants to do is what He's already done in someone else. And I want to challenge you, don't copy someone else. One of the things we do in church is we go to church conferences, Right. And we'll hear from leaders and speakers and people who had great success using certain models and doing things in their city and stuff. And one of the problems of the conference circuit kind of thing is people will go and they'll try to take what you did in Seattle or in New York or wherever it is, and they'll try to take it back home and try to superimpose it on their situation and copy it. And then they're disappointed when it doesn't happen the same way. It's like, wait a minute, it's a different setting, you're a different person, And God already did that. God wants to do a new thing through you. Don't get so hung up on copying what someone else has done. Understand God wants to do a new thing, and he wants to do it through you. He's not a God of maintenance. He's not a God of repetition. He's not a copycat. He's a God who desperately wants people to understand how much he loves them and how he wants to fill them and work through them. I think sometimes the purpose of the new thing is so that we don't get so attached to the old thing that we forget him. Isaiah 43, great passage of scripture where God is talking to his people about how he's going to deliver them, how he's going to bring salvation, and what he's going to do. And then verse 18 and 19, he says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I think this is a prophetic word for those of us in America who are lamenting where we were and where we are now. And I don't mean forget the lessons of history, forget the, I don't mean, I don't mean any of that. I just mean. Take the word of the Lord. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Moses may be dead, but our God's alive and well. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Sometimes it feels like a wilderness. No, God's making a way. Sometimes it feels like a wasteland. Well, God's got streams. Just like he's always had. And it's one thing for us to kind of look at this and say, wow. Wow. That's a good word for the church in America. What about for you? What season are you in? Where are you being stretched that maybe it's a new season? God wants to do something different. In Acts chapter 11, you remember what happened in Acts 10, uh, God sends Peter against every fiber of his instinct being in his religious training to a Gentile leader, a Roman centurion named Cornelius, in his household. And they just didn't do it. This is the first time they had been specifically sent to Gentile people to proclaim the word of the Lord. And you remember the vision God used and this crazy thing of unclean, all these unclean animals. And in the dream, Peter's told to get up and eat. And he's like, I never have touched those unclean things. And God says, don't call something unclean that I've called clean. And then he realizes, oh, he's not really talking about the animals. He's talking about people because he sends them to go see Cornelius. And they receive Christ. Peter shares with them. They receive Christ. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Peter has the unenviable task of going back and explaining to this to the church in Jerusalem who were very much of the paradigm, wait a minute, this Christian movement is a part of Judaism and it's just, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and this is just for the Jews and Peter has to bring the good news. Yeah, God sent me the Gentiles and they all received the Spirit, so it's out of the bag now, guys. And he tells them in Acts 11, beginning of verse 15, here's what he says, as I began to speak, he's telling them what happened when he was back with Cornelius. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he'd come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John, baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Forget my biases, forget my preconceived notions, forget my kind of blueprint of what was supposed to happen. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God saying, so then even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And I, as a Gentile believer, am really grateful. Really grateful. But that blew their mind. That was like a whole kind of thing. of like, holy cow. God is doing something that was way outside the bounds of what we thought he was going to do. And maybe for some of them, the first time they realized, God is a lot bigger than my preconceived notions of him. And I think just like they we're facing a huge transition. You understand, these people, they went from Judaism to this radical Jesus who they discovered, he's the Messiah, so they, that's a major leap. And then in their lifetime, they then go to, oh my gosh, he's not just the Jewish Messiah, this is for the whole world, and God is using us, like he promised Father Abraham, to bless and bring redemption to the whole world. Wow. This, they were at a mind-blowing time. And as I said, I think we in the church in America are facing a huge transition. And I want to challenge us with this idea. I think it is a time of amazing opportunity. It is a time of amazing opportunity. We can look back, and we can mourn the past if we want. Or we can look forward and realize God is starting a new thing. God is starting and doing a new thing, and he's inviting us to be a part of it. Are you ready for that? I mean, one of the things that we're wrestling with as a nation, and I know there's different people get on different sides of this, is this idea of refugees and Syrian refugees and, and just different refugees from countries in the Middle East, and there's a lot of concern because of the very real issue of Islamic terrorism. I mean, that's not pretend. That's not a game. That's real. And As an American, I have to tell you, I am sympathetic with the challenge that our officials face, because they have an assignment, it is an assignment that is actually endorsed in Scripture to protect the people of the nation. Romans 13 says, government has been given a sword to punish evildoers and to protect. It is a godly and a righteous thing for the government to say, we are going to protect our people from those who would try to do harm. Police officers, you know, they carry guns and Billy clubs and tasers, because they are there to, if, by, if necessary, by force, subdue people who would do harm and evil to others. And our government has that same responsibility. So this is a tough challenge. I totally get it. I mean, when I've, I've traveled, I've traveled, had an opportunity to travel to a number of different nations around the world, especially in Europe. You can, because it's smaller than North America, you can go and you can in you know a week's visit be three, four, five nations. And you know, every time I've got to stop at a gate a fence, a wall, and I have to show my papers. I have to meet their requirements. I have to answer their questions before I'm allowed to go in their country. And it never occurred to me to go, how dare you? How dare you? I'm an American. I should be allowed in. What, what is wrong with you? Never occurred to me. And those guys standing behind them with guns helped me realize how foolish that would be. You know, I just I didn't, you know. And so I understand the problem, and Islamic terrorism has created a whole new kind of challenge and problem. That's my thought as an American. But as a Christian, regardless of how you feel the best way, we all think we want to help. When we see just thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of refugees, and we see people displaced from their homes and living in squalor, and something in our hearts should say, that's not right, and how can we be a part of that? But let me tell you something, as an American, the realization and the thought of us taking refugees and of having them here, as a Christian, that has exciting possibilities. Receiving Muslim refugees has incredible possibilities. It's an unbelievable opportunity. That means I get to meet Muslim people I would never meet. I get to share the love of Jesus with people I might never have had that opportunity who need to know the love of Jesus? I get to introduce them to the one who changed my life. And I never have to leave home. It's fish in a barrel, folks. I mean, really. We get to share the love of Jesus. So we can either sit and kind of get caught up in a political debate and lo- get locked up, or we can say, well, we're living in a changing world, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there is a government that can that will do perfectly in this. I really don't it is a challenge. We live in a broken, fallen world, and sin like that creates a real challenge. But I do know that though Moses might be dead, our God is alive and well. And if I get an opportunity, in fact, we're talking with someone to help connect us with any Muslim refugees here in San Antonio. Because you realize refugees, they, they they need support. They don't have anybody. They need language help, educational help. I mean, they need help integrating in. Why not us? Why not we show them the love of Jesus and get the chance ultimately to introduce them to the one who absolutely changed our lives? I can look at that and go, wow, we're losing our nation. Or I can go, oh my gosh, the kingdom of God is like, it's expanding. And the opportunities that I used to have to spend a lot of money and travel for, they're coming to my hometown. Lord, help us to be people who see you're doing a new thing, and you want to use us. God wants to do a new thing through you and I. He still wants us to take new ground. Church is too often on the defensive, on the defensive, trying to kind of, and it's part, partially our, well, there's this national thing and our American thing, and then there's the church, and we, we get defensive. Stop it. Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it gates are not an offensive weapon hell is not chasing us hitting us with gates that would just be weird what that means is we are on the offensive and do you know what's behind the gates of hell people who god loves who he created god's doing a new thing and in the same way the first century church had to sit and say wow i guess even the gentiles god wants to reach the gentiles we better be willing to say, you know, God wants to reach
1: the Muslims. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, are listening to Reaching for Real Hi, Life with Sean Azaro, nice a listener-supported ministry of yeah, River City Community friend, Church, in this message called Moses is alive. Dead, in the series Joshua, When God Calls Moses You, might be dead, which is available right God God now on the life. sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. This is reaching for real life radio.
2: Second thing God kind of made clear to Joshua. The Lord was a little subtle in this passage about fear, right? Do not, don't give in to fear. Five times in those few verses, in different ways, he said to Joshua, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, be courageous, be courageous, do not fear. Three times in verse nine alone. Joshua 1 9, look what he said. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? It's like I said it twice before, now I'm saying it again. Remember, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's why you don't have to be afraid or discouraged. The secret is that God will be with you wherever you go. And folks, fear is keeping so many of us from taking that next step, going to the place where God wants us to go, from accepting and embracing the new thing that God wants to do and that he wants to do in us. And it's not just our national stuff. What opportunities are around you that he wants to use you to do something awesome? But fear is keeping you fear of what people say, fear of people's opinions. Well, what about finances? What about this? What about that? And all the lists of fears that kind of roll through our head. Jo- God said to Joshua five times, don't be afraid, be courageous. Don't be afraid, be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't fear. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. I want to challenge us, folks. We've got to stop letting fear rule the day. we got to stop letting fear rule the day. I think the best way for us to address our fear, by the way, is to do what Joshua did. And it's kind of implied in the passage. But when the Lord starts talking to him, you realize, oh, Joshua was listening to the Lord. You want to, the best thing you can do for your fear is start listening to Jesus. Start listening to to Jesus and see what he might do start listening in prayer Joshua had a habit of listening in prayer this is from Exodus 33 remember and this is back when Moses is still alive he's the leader Joshua is his aide the lord would speak to Moses face to face that's pretty amazing okay as one speaks to a friend maybe even more amazing Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. What tent are you talking about? The tent of meeting. Tent of meeting. It was where the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night would rest, and it's where Moses would go to meet with the Lord. It was a tent of prayer. It was a place of prayer. And Joshua was just, at this time, he's just Moses' aide. Remember, he started out just as an aide to Moses, then he becomes a military commander, then he becomes a military general, and ultimately we see God has him to take Moses' place as the leader of his people. But even when Moses left to go do what God told him to do, Joshua stayed in that tent of meeting. In other words, Joshua had the habit of being in a place and listening to the Lord. How are you doing in that? I really believe this issue of prayer, it's one God's talking to me about, going deeper, deeper in prayer, but also just being people who are constantly walking in a position of prayer, listening Whenever you start to feel fear, just start to say, wait a minute, God, I'm starting to feel that fear. I'm worried about the finances. I'm worried about what people think. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about what's going to happen to the kids. I'm worried about my relationship with my parents. I'm worried about my relationship with my children. I'm I'm worried about all these things, God. Instead of worrying and going through the list, how about you step back and go, God, I want to talk to you about this. I promise you immediately your thought process will change. I'm not saying you won't have any struggle with fear. What I am saying is your fear will begin to be addressed in a a different way. And you'll hear the voice of the Lord say, Remember, I'm with you. I'm with you. You are not alone. Moses might be dead, but I'm alive and well, and I'm right here with you. And if you'll listen for my voice and follow and trust me, I want to do amazing things through and in you. Joshua had this habit of listening in prayer. We'd do well to imitate that. Moses might be dead, but our God is alive and well. Number three, very important. The secret to facing a changing world is being anchored to the unchanging truth. The secret to facing a changing world is being anchored to the unchanging truth. Remember what Joshua said, or God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law. What, what book is he talking about? It's the writings of Moses. Moses had written down the things God had said. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Um, Quick, just a little survey. It's not actually scientific, but I I feel pretty good about it. How many of you would like to be prosperous and successful? Anyone? Anyone? Most of you know, but for those of you who do, God bless you. A bunch of you just basically said, no. I don't want to be prosperous and successful. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of work to me. We all do, and I think we always, you know, we've got to make sure we're understanding God's definition of prosperity and God's definition of success, because they're a heck of a lot bigger than the world's kind of narrow definitions. We need to keep this book always on our lips. Meditate day and night. So you be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Um, beware a changing view and approach to the Word of God. Even among Christians, the there's a whole lot of pressure to kind of put the Word of God and change kind of, well, it's good guidance and it's it's man's discovery of god and therefore it's fallible but but it's still good for us to t- draw lessons from yeah no 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 the word of god is different it has proven itself over and over again i find it interesting the way the lord speaks to joshua on this take a look at this keep the book of the law always on your lips second meditate day and night third so you be careful to do everything that's written in it talk about it keep it on your lips think about it meditate deeply do what it says Talk about it, think about it, do what it says. I found it interesting that the Lord did it in that order, because most of the time we talk about it and then think about it, it's like it's a problem, okay? We should think about it first, then talk about it. I I don't think that's what the Lord's getting at. I think he's saying, obviously, read it. That's implied, but keep it on your lips. In other words, talk about it to people. Joshua, you're a leader, you're a person of influence. Keep the word central. Make it something you speak about, something you reference, something you bring up, so that you're influencing others. Meditate on it. In other words, think and and meditate deeply, deep roots. And then, so critical, none of the other's going to matter. Do what it says. That's where the power of God is released. If you're here as a believer, and you go, yeah, I've studied Scripture, I know Scripture, but I've never seen the power of God, I want to challenge you, you haven't walked out and obeyed the Scripture that God's put before you. When God leads you to do something, I want to challenge you do it, because that's where the power of God is released, in obedience. And we need to be people who kind of are anchored to that unchanging truth of God's word. Be people who read the word, people who meditate it, who speak about it. We teach it. It is our guide. Remember Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. You guide where my feet step. You guide where I'm headed, the direction of my life. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. He said, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. You want to know what we believe about the Scripture? It is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking when necessary, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the power of the Scripture. The scriptures, their main thing is they are a letter given and breathed by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. Scripture allows you to hear God's voice. Having a hard time listening for God's voice? Be a person of the Word. Be a person of prayer. Be amazed at how you begin to hear the voice of the Lord scripture builds your faith as you see them proven true over and over and over again as you become a person who doesn't sit and kind of always i mean we we get caught up in this thing we're always comparing the scriptures well is it true because you know this is truth this is truth science says this this is true and and so well let's see if the word of god is proven true And we get all happy when science verifies something in the bible do you realize that the bible has been exactly the same for thousands of years can you say the same about anything in science I mean, science by its nature shouldn't stay the same. It should be an intellectually curious discovery of truth, not a defense of dogmatic ideas that we hold on to. It should be an open discovery. Science should change as we grow, as we find ways to look and see. But what's amazing is the scripture saw, and again, we walk around with this insecurity. Stop it. We gotta be people who recognize this is powerful. And the Lord said to Joshua, and I think he'd say to you, follow my word. And watch if I don't prosper you and bring you the kind of success that is lasting and that is deep. Moses might be dead, but our God is alive and well. Last thing, don't hesitate. Remember what he said in Joshua 1.10? He said, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in, take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. He did not hesitate. He obeyed quickly and he obeyed publicly. No going back. It's interesting. When he told everybody else, all of a sudden there's accountability. So I want to challenge you. If God has been nudging you on something, maybe confirming it even this morning, um, when you get with your community group this week, tell them. You're like, no, 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 Because then I become accountable for it. And it's either they'll know I'm, lying, I'm a liar or I'm a coward, you know. I want to challenge you. Don't worry about that. If you know God's leading you, Maybe to have a conversation with someone. You know God's leading you to step out in faith. You know he's, he's moving you. Do it. Don't hesitate. Do it. So last week at this camp I was speaking at there, there was a sound guy there, and I had talked to him a few years back. I'd been at that camp and spoke. And the uh, same guy, we had some friendly conversation, but he shared something with me, and I didn't even remember the details, but the Lord just put in my heart, I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. And so I told him, hey, after one of the services, let's go have a cup of coffee or something. Let's just talk. And so we did. And uh, he was couldn't believe I even remembered or any of that, but, but the Lord had put something in my heart. So we, we shared. And it turns out he's got this unforgiveness he was dealing with. And it was rooted in unbelief that God could possibly meet his needs and take care of him so that he could release that person. And it was crippling to him. And I just get to share with him. I shared what Paul wrote to Philemon about the slave Onesimus and how he said, charge it to my account, I'll repay it. And I challenged him to trust the Lord with that. He wrote me the most amazing email, just said, that changed my life. That... I never thought about God's ability to make it right. And so what if I would have just said, oh, I'm sure he's fine, and blown off what the Lord nudged me on? What's God nudging you on? Don't hesitate. God wants to do something, and he wants to use you. Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Moses is Dead in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.